hello. I'm Savannah. And I'm Alicia. And this is Burden of Proof. Well, welcome back. What a fantastic day this is. <laughs> <laughs> We're a couple weeks into the new year. Yes. Um, raise your hand if you've already given up on some of your New Year's resolutions. We're recording this in advance, but I'm sure that that will be me. <laughs> I'm normally good until like March. Wow, that's I'm impressive. a long termer. And like the way that I do my New Year's resolutions is me and my best friend make bingo cards. <laughs> so I have nice. like a long, t- I have longer term goals and it's fun. I really recommend it actually. Okay. Because it, it worked really well for me last year. I might have to try that. I did not get bingo, but not for a lack of trying. Like I didn't get bingo because we put New Year's resolutions on it and like pop culture predictions. Ah. So some of those didn't happen for me. Yeah. And if they had, I would have gotten bingo. Does that make sense? Yes. That makes sense. So I recommend making resolution bingo cards. It's fun. I don't typically make a lot of resolutions because I'm not good at sticking with them. I don't think that they're uh, very sustainable. So it's Mm kind of setting yourself up for failure. You know who you are. You know that if you're going to stick to it or not, just don't kid yourself. Yeah. So if you've already given up, tell us which one. (laughs) Tell us about your failures. (laughs) And we'll tell you. (laughs) That's fine. It was stupid anyway. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, I just think trying to do too many things like all at once, that's just not sustainable for anybody. For sure. Change is possible, but, you know. People can change. I'm not an expert, but I have (laughs) read a little bit about change changing habits so uh, like some people say you can do it in like 21 days or something but then i read that no most people can't most people need at least i want to say like 60 i think 60 days is what i've heard and i know that i haven't stuck with anything unless i manage to do it for at least a few months it's not sticking around forever yeah well we don't know yet because it's december 30th today so we don't know (laughs) we'll see i'll let you I'll let you know in a future episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't have too many, but I do need to get off the sugar cookies from Christmas. I know that. Well, you and I have beef because Uh-oh. Alicia makes Christmas cookies, and I want you to know that I did not get a single Christmas cookie I'm this sorry. year. sorry. I did not make as many this year. Which is fine. That's good because you normally make way too many. Yeah, I do. I kind of have a problem. But I didn't get that. a single one. I'm sorry. That's okay. It's because I had extra teenagers in my house they ate them facts facts fast that's fine anyway thank y'all for listening if you're new here hi if you're new if you're new let us know how you're feeling if you like us if you don't like us don't tell me that because that hurts my feelings (laughs) (laughs) i'm sensitive (laughs) oh it's fine i can dish it out but i cannot take it i don't dish it out because i cannot take it i don't either most of the time i I try not to yeah we love reviews if you do like us, if you have constructive criticism, leave us a review. But, I, you know, we can't change our voices. We can't change our laughs. <laughs> For sure. We, we are who we are. Yeah. It is what it is. But if you're new. I feel like Trixie and <laughs> Katya <laughs> talking about all the cliche statements they can't stand that we should get rid of. It is what it is. It is what it is. I am who I am. Wait, which one of us is Trixie and which one of us is Katya? Oh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Um, honestly, I think I would be Katya and you would I be think that Trixie. Tracks. I think that kind of tracks. You're a little bit more dark and twisty than I am. 
My brain's a little like the funniest. <laughs> My favorite Katya moment is when Trixie asks, is it okay to eat in bed? <laughs> and Katya says, no, 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 that's no, don't do that. That's not good. <laughs> and then she pauses for a moment and she's like, but then again, I've smoked crack. <laughs> My favorite costume. Wait, but just so you all know, I have not, I actually haven't done drugs. Um, but there's something about Katya that I very much. I agree. You, yeah. Like something about her resonates. I agree. Me. Uh, my favorite Katya moment is when they're doing an interview and she's eating a macaroon and she goes, this tastes like soap. And Tracy goes, it probably is soap, sis. I took a drink of water. I'm joking. I love that clip. It tastes she's like, like soap. It, is, it probably soap. is soap. It probably is soap. So solid. 10 out of 10 moment. Yeah. I also like, hi, gay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry for that anyway. tangent. Oh, no, that was a perfect segue because oh. I thought of something the other day that I, you know, we don't really play up our, we kind of do. You can't help but notice our generation difference. But I really thought our next podcast should be Gen X versus Gen Z's. And like we focus on <laughs> pop culture stuff yeah. and and the differences between our generation. I think that would be great. I think that would be fantastic. Tell us all what you think. Somebody told us that we helped them connect with their Gen yes. Z son. And I was like, that's what we're here a, to do. Yeah, that he's a Gen X. So he resonates with a lot of what I say, but that you helped him. Yeah, that was fantastic. I loved it. It made my whole week. I thought about it forever. Thank you so much. Um, yes. And speaking of listeners talking to us, this is also a listener requested case. That you know, his speaking of segues. Also, whoever recommended this, I kind of am mad because now we have to do it. <laughs> I don't want to. I know. So, if you listen to the last case I presented, I said I'm gonna do it, and here we are. So this uh, listener request came from Deacon, and in the message that he uh, sent regarding it, he wasn't kidding when he said, it is beyond anything that is remotely close to being human. What a freaking quote. Yes. Wow. This is one of those cases that could have been drawn out for sure, but... For those of you who are new here, <laughs> we're, we're not your go-to podcast for gore. We won't leave stuff out like to the point that you don't get or understand what has happened, but uh, we kind of have to give it without going slow and gory and right. graphic detail. We have buddies over at Gore Report for that. Yeah, exactly. So I chose to keep the facts simple and straightforward. Uh, nevertheless, hold on to your butts. Yeah, that's not to say that this isn't going to be an intense case. It is still going to yes. be very intense, but. Yeah, and you might want to uh, 
have a bucket nearby just in yeah, case. Alicia texted me and said that I needed a puke bucket. <laughs> so not super thrilled, but I think you'll be okay. But just in case, if y'all are sensitive, have one nearby. <laughs> a warning I never thought we would give. Yeah. yeah. Have a vom bucket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of like I would consider gory cases that we've covered. Yep. Yeah, I try to steer clear of the gore because I don't want to be responsible for freaking you out. I and I appreciate it because then when I'm when I'm capable of handling it, we can still do it. I just tend to bring it to the table cuz I know what I can handle. Yeah. Cuz Exactly. For anybody new, we'll get to the case eventually, I promise. For anybody new, <laughs> I have OCD and part of like what triggers my OCD is thinking about what goes on inside of my body or like any human body. So like Yes. Sometimes hearing about gory stuff is just like not going to work for me because I don't want to know we have bones. Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm a human Muppet. I'm a marionette puppet. And there's a little (laughs) creature in my head (laughs) that's operating me. I don't have bones. Like I don't have. What what is a ligament? No, I don't want to know that because that is like. If you're sitting there wondering (laughs) why would a person with this condition do a true crime podcast? It isn't an. Enigma. I am straight. (laughs) Um, it's like (laughs) she is she is a wonder of the world. (laughs) I just thought you guys would want to be blessed with my commentary and my presence, so I figured I'd pitch through. The world needs to hear what I have to say. I know about (laughs) killers. About yeah. Yeah. Well they need to hear me say sha business. Sha business. All right. Today, we're talking about Richard Huckle. Can't have a name that's rhymed with buckle and be well, a bad person. I just don't think that it's fair. I don't know <laughs> what to say to that. When you grab your phone and you start looking up pictures of him, which I know you will. I'll do it right now. <laughs> you you will. I think I, I actually think I do know who this is. He was pretty, he was deemed, um yeah, pretty bad dude. Oh. Out of the UK. So this is a UK case. Okay, I'm going to start. No more prolonging. Are you ready? No. But Do you have your puke bucket? I actually don't have a puke bucket, but I'm one of those people who can mind over matter that stuff. Like, no. Don't try and tell me that nausea is an um, involuntary and function. It is, it is voluntary. You just have to be really in tune with your body. I'm... Yeah, I'm not I'm good not at gonna that. throw up. I am not good at that. So I'm gonna start now. No more procrastinating. But I wanna procrastinate so bad. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Okay. Richard Huckle was born May 14th, 1986, and grew up in Ashford, a small town that sits a little ways southeast of London. His middle class family regularly attended Ashford Baptist Church, and from what I can tell, His upbringing and family life was all fairly typical. No major trauma or even behavior issues were reported. The only thing that stands out is speculation that he may have been a bit of a loner despite being very involved at church. It's been said that he just didn't fit in well with his peers, but that doesn't really explain why he went on to do the things that he did. Not surprisingly, 
He did excel in school and had his first opportunity to travel abroad at the age of 16. He went to Africa, and it's believed that that trip may have been what sparked his desire to immerse himself in other cultures. Once he graduated, Richard became certified to teach English as a second language and signed up for a volunteer position with a Christian organization that allowed him to travel throughout East Asia. He simultaneously used the travel to take pictures of both the scenery and the people he met, which he would then sell online. Sounds like he's got a good system. Oh, he had a system, all right. Oh, no. In 2006, he took a trip to Cambodia, which is reportedly the first time he sexually abused a child. Okay, that's, we're jumping right in. The victim was just two years old. <gasps> oh, gross. So when we say he was a pedophile, you know, they have like different have, terms like, for the different, different age yeah. groups. Yeah, no, he was, he was legit a pedophile. Um, although I will say one of my uh, sources in here is Emma Kenny, who is a psychologist that talks true crime. She's from the UK. She makes the distinction throughout her episode on this that she calls him a child molester because she acknowledges that there are people who struggle with pedophilia, but they are virtuous in the sense that they don't ever act on it. They just struggle with those feelings. I question like how how do you know like how do you know they're not engaging in online just because they haven't physically touched a child themselves like right i i don't know but supposedly there's a whole group of them that have like a support system set up and good for them if that's the case i don't feel qualified to speak on the subject because yeah yeah all right so richard then moved on with a group of student volunteers to uh, Malaysia. Eventually, he got a student visa to settle in Malaysia, where he enrolled in the, and my apologies if I butcher it, the Kuala Lumpur Metropolitan University to study information technology. Okay. Keep that in mind. That'll come in handy in the future. Information, the fact that he's studying information mm-hmm. technology. I think so. Doesn't bode well for an online photographer oh, who is God. abusing children. Yes. This is why I will not be putting pictures of my children on the internet. Well, he wasn't one of those people. Okay. He was taking his own pictures. I, but I, yeah. I gathered that. I just yeah. made, uh, yep. Yeah, but fair. I I agree that these days it's probably just best to keep your kids off of there. <laughs> um, so he had already been attending the Community of Praise Church on and off for years, and had connected with several families in a small village nearby. The village accepted him wholeheartedly, gave him a place to stay. And unfortunately, trusted him with their children. That's cool. terrifying because they just thought that they were doing the right thing. Yes. 
Um, according to reports, both the residents of the village and attendees of the church said he was always very kind and seemingly generous and acted normal. The pastor of the church said there seemed to be no ill intent as Richard really tried to blend in, learn their language, and would offer to teach others English. But eventually, when it was like very too late, the pastor noticed he would often only attend services if there were children around for him to interact with. And at one point, he even started showing up with children from the village. Like, he would just bring them. Their parents were not there. And when it was a little, you know, too little, too late kind of thing, the pastor finally spoke up and said, I want to speak to their parents. Like, you're telling me it's okay for you to bring these children here. Right. But I want to know. I want to speak to the parents. And then Richard stopped showing up. Yeah. The families within the village said he spent a lot of time with the children but never acted inappropriate in front of other of any of the adults. Yeah, yeah. It's presumed that he used his travel photography side hustle to get the children alone and perhaps offered compensation to the families when the photos of their children were taken and or sold. Like, right. What, hey, I put these online. I make money. I will compensate you some. Now, before any of us feel the urge to, you know, get on that high horse of, like, you should have protected your kids kind oh, of thing. Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, most yeah. people probably understand the, the circumstances. But for anybody f that, you know, because that's a fiery, it's a sensitive topic. And I just want to share, this is where Emma Kenny's episode came into play because I thought she made some really excellent points. The link is obviously in the show notes, as always, um, if you'd like to hear you know, her full take on everything. But she pointed out that w a few things. Number one, their culture is so different from ours. So those parents are not constantly bombarded every day with information about the dangers of children yeah, out there like we are here in Western cultures. Like they don't hear about that stuff. The second thing is, as unfortunate as it is, she points out that white English speakers are often treated with a level of respect and trust that they don't always deserve. And especially when traveling to, like, the poverty-stricken yeah. areas of these countries. That is very much shown once we get into, like, how he got caught and stuff. He makes it very evident that there was a reason he was going there. Um, and then finally, when taking those first two points into consideration and talking about the parents accepting gifts or money for their kids modeling, if you will, as far as they knew, they were perfectly, they were just travel photos of like, right. these are the people of this area. He also took pictures of the scenery, of the village in general. Like, it wasn't like he just took them of kids. Yes, that was the bulk of it. Like, he definitely tried right. a lot harder for that but also a lot of like specifically like christian mission work yes when they go to these countries or yes. to these impoverished areas they are taking photos and they are using them in their ministry yes this isn't an abnormal thing yeah i'm sure this wasn't the first time they've seen it you are correct sir ma'am <laughs> <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> 
sir. It's from a thing. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Um, so it's it doesn't strike me as odd at all. And like, yeah. Why would no? Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's not. Don't, nobody needs to be blamed I mean, for. Honestly, it's not difficult to understand the draw of them going, oh, all you're going to do is take pictures of my kid and then you're going to give us gifts or you're going to give it. They they are like a whole different level of poverty than what we typically see in Western right. cultures. Like, so, of course, they're going to easily get sucked into that scenario. Right. Well, when- and they've seen it over and over again with with specifically like white mission work. Yes. I don't know. I read a whole, I did a whole thing on like white mission work in college. And so mm-hmm. it it's definitely a rabbit hole. I yeah. encourage people to to look into it. But like, yeah, this is normal for them to see it. Yeah. It's not bizarre in any way. Exactly. So. And it's also not bizarre for them to be taken advantage of. Correct. I'll get off my high horse now. <laughs> One of my sources was actually a documentary that focused a lot on Richard Huckle and like his whole system, but it was specifically about the issue of children being sexually abused and whatnot in Malaysia itself. Mm-hmm. And they sort of touch on like the issue with like sex tourism and that sort of thing as well. So, yeah. It's a problem, for sure. But no matter the means to which he got them alone, Richard used several classic tactics to groom the children into trusting him. Kindness that led to friendship, that led to appropriate affection, and gifts that led to inappropriate photos, and eventually child pornographic photos being taken, and in many cases, inappropriate touching and even rape. Some of the children complained, but according to a woman interviewed by one of my sources, the adults just thought the children misinterpreted his affections, chalking it up to a cultural difference. He ultimately abused more than 25 children from just that one village alone. Not surprisingly, Richard was then sharing those pornographic photographs on the dark web. And this is where how he gets caught is, I mean, it makes sense that this is how these people have to be caught. So bear with Mm -hmm. me because it's like a rabbit trail, if you will. If, and this is, this is me trying to find some sort of humor in this mess. If you watch um, Letterkenny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the dark web the dark web the dark web <laughs> the dark web, the dark web. <laughs> so in an operation in 2013 the australian task force argos arrested a man in queensland on child sex abuse charges they of course gained access to his online accounts that included a membership to an online group called the love zone <laughs> Exactly. Agents used his login to infiltrate the site, and they found that users were expected to upload photos within every 30 days or they were kicked off the site. So in order to be in this group, you had to actively Actively be abusing children. Yes. 
Or that at, is insane. Or at, least, or at least like sharing other photographs that But you, you know get. why they do it? I this is why. Because if you're actively sharing photos, you're not lurking and you're not ratting them out. Yeah. Ah. 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 <laughs> no. Yeah. So one of the members stood out to the agents because of three things, essentially. The amount of content he provided. Uh, the starving Malaysian children. Mm-hmm. A detailed how-to guide <gasps> to pedophilia he wrote himself. Oh. My. God. And his very detailed comments. Here are some of his gems. Oh, God. So get your puke buckets ready. Quote, as long as I keep a broad number of contacts amongst the poorer people I know, I'm sure someone would be inclined for someone of high status, such as myself, to be caring for their kids for long or short term. End quote. This is what I mean. This is what I mean. You know that you are actively taking advantage yes. of this community and it makes me sick yes and that's not even just like the i mean yeah obviously the the pedophilia is the worst the worst part of this but on a separate level like uh, the ick factor of just the manipulation yes. and the taking advantage of an entire community yes. right yes well and, hold and on like, to your butt and you know you know uh, go ahead sorry hold on to your butt because i have a couple more okay and they get worse okay Quote, impoverished kids are definitely much, much easier to seduce than middle-class Western kids. To be honest, if you really want to embrace child love, poverty is the way to go. End quote. She's slow blinking. Okay, just keep going. I don't want to do this anymore. Yep. <laughs> Last one. Quote, I'd hit the jackpot. A three-year-old girl as loyal to me as my dog, and nobody seemed to care. End quote. I don't think we need to comment on that. It speaks for itself. I really hope this man is dead, and You're I hope a he died trash human. A painful, painful oh. death. Oh, no. I want somebody to shove a rake up his butt. Oh, well. Did I guess? Close. Oh. So, <laughs> okay. we'll get there. Okay. Um. Agents, of course, didn't know that this was Richard Huckle. They only knew his username. It was obvious that in order to track down the worst offenders, the agents would need to gain more access to the site. So they turned their attention to the administrator of the site. Eventually, agents found a user on a four-wheel drive forum that was similar to that of the administrator of the love zone. Okay. Okay. And they found that he used the exact same greeting of mm -hmm. hiyas. 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 So they hit the jackpot when he posted pictures of his vehicle that included a license plate on the okay. four-wheel drive site. It turned out to be 32-year-old Shannon McCool. And guess what Shannon did for a living? Worked with kids. He was a child care worker. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
In June of 2014, agents surprised him at his home and took Shannon into custody, where they hit an even bigger jackpot. He had his laptop open and logged into the Love Zone site. Perfect! Oh my gosh! The universe says, hello. Yep. Here it is on a silver platter. Pretty much. That's amazing. They then kept the site up and running in order to catch others. Right. Because now they don't even have to get his login. It's already up. Yeah. And they had access to everyone's comments, everybody's (gasps) private messages, everything. What a gift. Though they continued to watch Richard Though they didn't know. I think he he had some username that started with a K, so they were just calling him K. Okay. Um, In hopes to find his identity, though. They continued to watch him. But he was very careful, at least for a while. His confidence of not getting caught grew, however, and he began leaving comments like, quote, I would love to make a small income off of selling child porn. And, quote, The three-year-old I can have so much sex with that it's just boring. Well, at least she's now ready for the business with funding. You are a trash human. I can't even figure out what to say. Uh, Yeah, this is not... This is definitely one that there's not much comedy to be found in this. Because even to make fun of him doesn't feel right no there's there's nothing to be said i mean (laughs) it's just so horrific right that's yeah not yeah so well we all know where being overly confident can lead as a criminal right agents became alarmed when his activity on the love zone increased and he commented quote it will likely take something very serious to get me to stop or slow down But if I'm not suffering consequences, what is there for me to learn from? What? What kind of, what, what? Why would you, first of all, why would you post that? You're just like taunting them. Like if you, like, I mean, I know he doesn't know that there's cops on the site, but like if he even had a little suspicion, why? That's the, that is a weird thing to post. I don't know. I'm assuming that it was part of a conversation or a thread. Oh, maybe. Because it was like a comment. It wasn't a private message. It wasn't. It wasn't like just like a Facebook post. The problem is I don't know what this site, how it's structured. It, from what the documentary showed, it kind of seemed almost like it is structured like a social media kind of thing. Like Reddit, probably. Probably a little bit like that. Yeah. So it's a lot of comments, but users can send private messages as well. Okay. Yeah. All right. I was just, yeah. Okay. I'm with you. In the midst of that cockiness, (laughs) he made a grave mistake. He forgot to delete the metadata from some of the (gasps) photos he shared on the Love Zone, specifically Mm -hmm. the brand and model of camera used to take the pictures. Okay. Yeah, that is a big mistake. I know a little bit more about metadata than the normal person because of because yeah. of working in law. You have to scrub all your docs before you file them yes. with the court because otherwise all that stuff becomes public record. Yes. Which like it, there's not normally anything in there that is bad, but it's just something you do to yeah, to do just in case and yeah. You're not making that a PDF/A. 
You're not scrubbing that <laughs> metadata before Should've you post made that it. PDF slash A. Should have made that an archivable PDF. So Richard was successfully selling his non-pornographic photos on legitimate sites such as Flickr, where one would not need to delete such data. You're not worried about yeah. it. Yeah. In fact, I would venture say, I'm not on those sites, but like I would guess that when you're in a community full of photographers and you're taking certain pictures, they want to know what camera yeah. you used to say you got this effect from using that camera. So agents searched for the same brand and model of camera used for the photographs on other legitimate websites and caught a break when they found it on a site called Trek Earth. The photographer profile on Trek Earth belonged to none other than our beloved Richard Huckle. Now, having the same camera doesn't automatically mean that they are one and the same. Right. But when the agents tracked his activity on the legitimate sites, one of which was linked to his professional Facebook profile, they discovered just how brazen he really was. They found that he had shared photos of the same children on Facebook that he had on the love zone. I I mean, I mean, bruh. There's always, always, always a trail. Always. Yes. There is nothing online, dark web or not, that cannot be traced back to you. Nothing. Yep. Especially if you're going to be so fucking stupid. Yep. Apparently, that information technology didn't do a whole lot of good. Didn't help with the common sense of, like, maybe I should totally keep my legitimate photographs separate. Right. As in separate kids, separate everything. Yeah. Can't. You can't fix stupid. You can't. You can't. You can't outlearn common sense, you know, at a university. I mean, you can't gaslight information's technology. (laughs) Like, true. It's, no. Okay. Well, at least he was dumb. Yes. The sad part is that he had been doing this for, like, nine years. Right. So, armed with the information that Richard was a UK citizen who resided in Malaysia, and they had reason to believe that he was the user from the love zone that they had been watching, they notified their counterpart in England, the National Crime Agency, who then notified the Malaysian authorities. Unfortunately, the laws in Malaysia made prosecuting sex offenders extremely difficult, specifically because victims are required to come forward and testify against the offender. And most of these kids can't freaking talk. And they did not, not only were, like, nobody was coming forward just on their own, but they scoured through the photographs and they couldn't, even though they could obviously see the kids, there was nothing that, like, could narrow it down for them to figure out right. who are these kids, We're where not did they come getting, from. Like, these kids don't have passports where you can run it through a database and match right. their face to a face. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So because of that, investigators felt that it would be better for the British government to charge him. Right. I agree. But that meant waiting until he was 
back in the UK. They can't extradite him for that? Apparently, because... Because it was a Malaysian crime. I mean... I think so. Because then if he's... Okay, because if he's on UK soil and distributing, then it's a UK crime. So the charges brought against him specify these crimes in another country. Right. So... Makes yeah. sense to me. I, I am I am picking up what they're putting down. Yes. Unfortunately, it's just not very convenient. No. But as luck would have it, they didn't have to wait long. Richard posted on Facebook that he was returning home for the holidays in December of 2014. So they waited six months. Yeah. At the most. And detectives arrested him at the airport. And confiscated his laptop and hard drives. Of course, his lovely information technology education came into play. So he kept all of his files heavily encrypted. Therefore, it wasn't an immediate win. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a win, but it's like... They have it at least, but they had to work on it. So as investigators wrestled with accessing the files... He was released to his parents on bail. Now, his family, his parents specifically, are the real heroes in my book. All right. His parents take him home. And when they confronted him about what happened, he confessed. (gasps) Oh, my God. And his mom immediately picked up the phone and called the police and said, take him back. I don't want him. He was taken back into custody where he then called the pastor over in Malaysia to apparently whine about his predicament and the fact that his family disowned him. But he wouldn't confess to the crimes on the phone. Yeah, the pastor was kind of funny. He, he at one point said, I just kept wondering, like, why are you calling me? <laughs> yeah. And he had to eventually come to terms with, like, because you're a pastor, <laughs> so you're supposed to, like, guide him yeah. through this, sort of. But, like, also, yeah, you're, this is, like, <laughs> sin, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But he wouldn't confess, so that was why the pastor's like, you're not calling to confess. You're not calling to, like, right. redeem yourself. So why are you calling me? But he realized it's because the dude literally had nobody. Yeah. He didn't have a lot of friends. His family has just disowned him. Like, he's in all this trouble. So the pastor was the only person he could think to call. During initial questioning, Richard refused to cooperate, which they assume was because he was so certain that they would not actually be able to access his devices. He's so cocky. But they did eventually cracked the encryption, and what they found was absolutely appalling. There were thousands of graphic images of hundreds of children, and they were able to match hundreds of those images to what he posted on the Love Zone. And there's no way of knowing exactly how many victims Richard had, but investigators believe it to be in upwards of 200 children. Right, because we don't know what other sites he was on. Yes. Now, two of my sources claimed a different number of charges, so I'm just going to state it like this. Um, With the evidence that they did have, they were able to ultimately charge him 
with at least 71 counts of sex offenses that included 14 counts of child rape and 31 counts of sexual assault. He initially pled not guilty. However, he continued to contact the pastor in Malaysia, and despite him never truly sounding remorseful, he changed his plea to guilty after a few months. Well, buddy, what else are you going to... Like, you're... Yep. What? Not guilty, my ass. This is what I don't understand. You got caught. I can't make words come out of my mouth because I'm so upset. I know. Like... Ugh, just, How do you try and uh, say just, you're not you guilty? I, yeah. Well, like you should just give up and just die. Well, we'll get there. That's um, right. That's that's why they play not guilty. They don't want to go to prison. Yeah. So the media quickly deemed him the worst pedophile Britain has ever seen. Yeah. And um, needless to say, because he ended up pleading guilty, they didn't have like a whole big trial. The judge sentenced Richard to 22 life sentences with eligibility for parole after 25 years, adding the statement, quote, It is very rare indeed that a judge has to sentence sexual offending by one person on such a scale as this. Had you not been arrested, you plan to continue the same lifestyle using the expertise that you were keen to show off to and share with other abusers so as to continue your sexual exploitation of the children of such communities. You may well harbor feelings of regret, but there is no feeling of genuine remorse in this case. Yeah. Yep. Yay, he's caught. He goes to jail. I I hope what comes next is what I hope comes next. This is where it gets even more spicy. (laughs) (laughs) We'll say. So authorities settled Richard into a wing of the prison for sex offenders and other inmates who would not bode well on the inside. Well, and this is, I'm glad that you say this because I brought this up to really long story short. There's a, there's a case that I'm following really heavily that's local. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'll ever talk about it because it's, it's connected to people that I know personally, but like regardless. Yes. I'm following it personally and I asked my friend who used to work as a nurse in the jail here. Yes. And I said, look, how is this person going to fare in prison? Hopefully badly. (laughs) And she was basically like, no, they just separate them. So there's a lot less violence in jail than there is in prison because of how separate they keep them. We were just talking about that. And so I'm always curious now when I'm researching cases where I think people won't do well in prison especially like people yeah. who hurt women or children specifically is typically the yeah the demographic that don't do well in prison. I'm always curious to see if they're separated or if they're not and if they're not is it intentional? Oh, is it intentional if they're not? I don't know, but it still didn't pan out well. <laughs> right, cuz this is beyond it didn't pan out well cuz to some degree you're still you're still in there with what I mean what do you do when you take a bunch of people that sexually attack or assault other individuals and you lock them all up together? They're going to sexually ur- assault each other. <laughs> <laughs> Their urges to sexually assault and or hurt, harm people don't like just suddenly go away. I don't know. It's that. Yeah. 
I so, mean, but like to be, mm, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, yep, yep, mm, yep. So here we go. When also I, mm. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna. Yep, we're gonna just move on and we'll, we'll move on. Talk off air. Okay. <laughs> So um, it was there in that special wing that Richard met Paul Fitzgerald. I have a feeling that Paul is going to be a little bit of a hero. Now, Paul is in prison. No, 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 no. no. Paul, listen. I mean, he is, but he's not. So I mean, yeah, that was the next thing I'm about. He is in prison for something horrible, but. Yes. So suffering from what two different psychiatrists described as conduct and personality disorders. Paul had been locked up in one way or another the majority of his 30 years. He committed his first sexual assault at age 12 on a four-year-old child. Convicted for the crime at age 13, social services had to intervene after he received death threats from locals. They moved him from Northern Ireland to Wales and changed his identity to Paul Fitzgerald. That's how serious this was. Okay. Just two years later, he was caught attacking an elderly person and was sent to a hostel in West Yorkshire. He was the only inmate there, being supervised by a staff of two, and he still managed to escape with a fork and a jar of Vaseline. (laughs) Okay. He's got the essentials. So... He came across a woman walking her dog and threatened to stab her with the fork if she didn't do as he said. Fortunately, she fought back, sought help, and he was arrested again. Right, because it's a fork. (laughs) In his room at the hostel, they had found coded journals, but also the key to said coded journals. I mean, he was a teenager, and yeah, he's know. staying in this place, and that's the only space that he really has, so, okay. Um, But in the journals, he detailed his sick fantasies to sodomize women, as well as his urges towards children. Gross. When he met Richard Huckle in prison, he was serving a four-year sentence for charges, including assault with the intent to commit rape. So there you go. I mean... This is going to sound horrific, but, like, honestly, it's good that he was even in jail for that because yeah, so yeah. many of those charges are so lax. And so I'm impressed that he was in he was yes. serving time and I'm happy with that. I mean, I'm not happy with the sentencing, but like, yes, he was in jail and that's better than most of them who walk away. Yes. So on October 13th, 2019. Paul entered Richard Huckle's cell with the intention to torture and kill him in a form that he referred to as poetic justice. Listen, you know that you are a horrible person when all the other <laughs> rapists <laughs> think that you're a bad person. Think that you're a bad person. Well, we will get into that a little bit, but um, basically, like, Paul just had it out to kill whoever he didn't he just happened to go after richard okay i see he actually had planned on killing multiple people i see multiple other inmates we'll talk about why that didn't happen and when we get there but yeah which is gross 
So this is where you might need your puke bucket. Oh, okay. But I'll go fast. So Yeah, that's actually helpful. Just Paul bound and gagged Richard, beat him and smashed his face into the floor so many times he broke his jaw, then sodomized him with the handle of a kitchen spoon. He then inserted a makeshift weapon into his nostril until it penetrated over three inches into his brain before finally stabbing him in the neck with another makeshift weapon and then strangling him so hard that his own hands needed long-term medical treatment. That is. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm waiting to see. Oh, I'm good. You're You're fine. Okay. So the other, like really just to give a little bit more for those of you that are like, I, I want more detail. Um, the most, ick i guess in a way visual that i got from my sources was that that makeshift weapon that he put up into his nostril into his brain what had something to do with a pen it was like a pen that yeah he had. well yeah. i was thinking logistically it would have to be quite a thin thing yes it was okay so, none of these torturous acts took place quickly either um, right. The entire thing lasted nearly 80 minutes before he was caught. That's a long time. Yes. Because, like, it's also not quiet. I shouldn't think so. I mean, what, eventually, like, after smashing his face into the floor that many times, he probably passed out, I would think. Um, Maybe. But I will say the other thing that people don't realize about prison, too, is that it is loud. Like, it's never quiet. Uh, yeah. It's always loud. There's yeah. always something happening. Yeah. There's always buzzing or, like, yelling. Yeah. So, it, depending on the inmates in that unit. Oh, I just had the grossest thought. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. When you're talking about there's always buzzing and or, like, talking or yelling or, but I just immediately flash back to when my grandparents were in a nursing home. And I thought, that's how nursing homes are, too. Uh, yeah. That's terrible. I mean, it is. It's, I mean, but I think if you put, yeah, I mean, my. It's different buzzing. It is. And but it's slightly different yelling. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's not. the same yelling of, like, <laughs> um, people not understanding why they're there. and Right. Like, yeah, but that's sad. My okay, point. I'm sorry. Be, my point being, like, depending on the, the, the unit that they're in and the inmates that they have and the normal inmate behavior, mm-hmm. it may not have sounded like anything out of the ordinary. But also, shouldn't somebody be watching cameras? I don't know. Yeah. What year is this? 2019. Yeah. So so somebody's looking at a camera somewhere. Yeah. Like, how does one get away? Yeah. That's. It's either it's either luck or intention. Yeah. So Paul admitted in his trial. I'm sorry. I do want to clarify. When I say luck, I mean that prisons are understaffed and like. Yeah. Yeah. And people are trying to, like, do their jobs and they can't and they can't watch everybody all the time. I am not saying I don't ever want it to sound like I'm being like, well, they should have been to it. No, I. But anyway. Both of these men, that's the really, like, weird thing about this case is, like, both of these men are kind of monsters. Right. So, I just mean, like, I didn't want it to feel like I'm blaming the, the workers. Staff. Yeah. Which, like, no. Yeah. I don't know them. I, I don't know, know their life. I'm just was saying. intentional, but. Oh, I don't by know any either. Means. That's what I'm saying. Um, there, anyway. There's definitely nothing in sources that claim to that. So 
you know, it, it, it is what it is. The only thing that I would say is that something that I read, I don't, I didn't really like get into it in my notes because I kind of felt like that gets more, a little too in depth into Paul and yeah. I, and this is really about Richard. Um, but apparently Paul had, had said to either prison guards or somebody either in a position of authority or his psychiatrist or something that he had been struggling with like violent thoughts a little more okay before this happened but he apparently from what was documented he had never really indicated anything specific and so they didn't really understand that like he had a whole plan like he really did have this all planned out And so that's the thing, is that he admitted in his trial that he had planned on killing multiple inmates, but said, quote, I got carried away by how much fun I was having doing what I was doing to him. Okay. So he basically said at trial, well, I shouldn't even say at trial, more like a hearing, because (laughs) obviously he did what he did. But he admitted that he had plans to hurt multiple people at that point. But I just had such a swell time with Uh, this guy that I stuck with it too long. He also admitted that if he had not been stopped when he was, his next thoughts were to actually take parts of Richard's body and cook and eat them. Oh, okay. Yes. So. So. It escalated quickly. That it did. That it did. Um, Paul, of course, was guilty of this heinous murder and sentenced to life with a minimum of 34 years. Yeah, I mean, that kind of tracks. The judge began his sentencing remarks with, quote, You are a psychopath, and you derive pleasure from fantasizing about raping, torturing, killing, and even eating others. He went on to address both the aggravating and mitigating factors in his decision. Of course, the aggravating factors being the planning involved, the gruesome nature of the crimes, and Paul's previous record. The only mitigating factor the judge considered was Paul's mental health, which he referred to as psychopathy overlapped with a antisocial personality disorder and specified that it was evident both were the, quote, product of the physical and sexual abuse which you experienced as a child. So Paul, obviously, yeah, had his, he had... He had a life. He had a life. We're not here to talk about Paul. Yeah. I mean, we are, but we're not. We are, but we're not. <laughs> the judge acknowledged that he would make a small reduction to the sentence due to Paul's mental health but that he was sure Paul, quote, could have resisted the urge as he had chosen to do so his whole adult life, meaning that he had never murdered anybody. Right. This was definitely an escalation from what we've seen before. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. Richard, the great child predator, is dead. And as far as I know or could find, Paul Fitzgerald is still serving a life sentence. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as a palate cleanser, we have some bloopers for you at the end here. Yes. Because this is icky and we don't want to leave you on this note. Yes. I think it's good that we procrastinated and talked so much in the beginning. 
Because now we have stuff at the end for you to like, okay, take a deep breath before you move on with your day. Because this yeah. is a heavy one. This is, I think, definitely the most intense case we've ever covered. Like, it's a lot. It's just so much. It's so much. Yeah. And like, you know, it's also not a normal case for us. No, I I only did this case because it was listener requested. Yeah. I normally want to cover a little more trial aspect. And of course, both of these people are just guilty. Um, and right. there were no actual trials. Um, but sometimes it's hard to tell until you're like mostly through the research process. And then you're like, oh, well, here we are. Doing it yes. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know until I really dove in. But it was like I said listener requested i'll make exceptions sometimes if it's not too far out of the realm and i found that rather interesting oh i think so too and i think that what was like there was totally enough in it for it to still be a burden of proof thing i just meant like because we because i mean we, we talked about like the different laws over in malaysia and that's that's fine yeah i just meant like we don't typically cover cases with a ton of children um i've covered some cases with children but um not that's usually only if like the children have either witnessed something or um ultimately were like the victims of murder this was a lot yeah it took several weeks for you to get through it which i don't like talking about children being sexually abused or raped and not that we're saying anybody anybody likes that but I, you know, some of us uh, are a bit more triggered than others. Right. We'll say that. For sure. So, of course, um, that's why I always recommend looking at the show notes before you start. And I yes. always put that warning at the top. There will be content warnings on the social media posts yes. for this episode. Yeah. Like, I don't want anybody to get into it and not know what they're listening to. Yeah. You know? For sure. Um, But if you made it this far... Put a bucket emoji. If there's a bucket, let me see. Is there a bucket? I'm going to check. There is a bucket emoji. So put the bucket emoji. Yes. If you made it this far. If you didn't, that's okay. Yeah. Because I almost didn't either. <laughs> um, and enjoy some bloopers and try and... um, Maybe take a break. Yeah. Watch a comedy. Listen to a comedy podcast. Go listen. What's a funny case they can go listen to that we've covered? Go listen to something a little bit lighter, like Scott Perk. Ah, yes. That's a... That's... Yeah, that's a little better. Or uh, Paul Cruz. Paul Cruz. I'm looking at our episodes right now to see. Yeah, those are better. Or something like uh, the Elizabeth Holmes case. That's white-collar crime that's different. Yes. To just kind of... Or if you want a, a good survivor story, Susan Walters, oh, that's case that number 40. Case. Yeah, we have other options for you if you don't feel like you can just move on from this one. And I don't blame you. This one was yes. rough. So, Absolutely. But thank you. Thank you to all who hung in there with us. We love you and we'll see you next week. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Burden of Proof Pod and email us at burdenofproofpod at gmail.com. Hold on to your butt. You can cut this out. But in this picture, he kind of looks like like Jess from Gilmore. Shut up. He does not. Just a little bit. No. Just in this angle. No. You shut your mouth. I don't mean it. I'm not cutting that out. I want the world (laughs) to hear it.
sorry. This is this is a an age old debate between Alicia and I is uh, which Gilmore Girls yes. boyfriend Please tell is us. the best. Don't I mean you can, but just know that if you do, one of us is gonna be mad at you. <laughs> are I, you Team Jess or are you Team Logan? <laughs> if you've watched Gilmore Girls, if you haven't, you have and no if idea. you're Team Dean, I'm sorry. I originally was Team Dean, but then no, he cheated on his wife, so no, not okay with that. Um, now I think that she absolutely should have gotten together with Jess, like once they were in college and whatever. No, I, yep. I think that it should. First of all, this, hopefully this is at the end of the podcast because this is totally like blooper material and we've talked for forever. But if it is blooper material, I'm going to talk for a sec. Go ahead. I can make it blooper. Logan is the correct choice. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. She is repeating history. She repeated history. I know she did. just like her father. No. He is not just like her father. He is. He's not. He's not. Just because he's got swagger and he's a sweet talker and he comes from a rich family Uh, is different because Christopher uh, Christopher did not make his own money. Christopher ended up inheriting all his father's wealth. Logan went out on his own and he made his own money and he is changing the narrative that way. Okay. He's her father adjacent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And in another universe, I think that Christopher and Lorelai could have worked. No. I am not. I'm not saying in this one. I am team Luke all the way. I am too. I am too. I am too. Don't, don't get it twisted. (laughs) Do not get it twisted. But I think that if Lorelai and Christopher had gotten married when she was pregnant with Rory, they would have made it. No, I don't think so. Listen, because I think I because 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 listen, 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 Linda, listen, Linda. Okay, this is a Team Logan house in my house. In my house is not. (laughs) Listen, Logan is smart. Yeah, for sure. He's smart. But and like he's smart, like in the he can be witty and quick on his feet. Okay, good. You got that going for you. But Jess feeds something much deeper in her. The whole, the books and the, the... Logan is the same way. No, he's not. Yes, he is. You're just choosing to ignore it. No. I want you to realize that you married Jess and I'm marrying Logan (laughs) in real life. So I don't know why we're having this debate. Nicholas is Logan. Kind of. They're very similar. and. My husband's kind of like Jess. He's not moody like Jess, though. No, but he looks like Jess. Not exactly. Like old, like when Jess is older and in co- like in in year in the life. My husband's not buff like Jess. <laughs> <laughs> no, my husband's tall and lanky. <laughs> no. Anyway, anyway, this, we're never gonna agree ever on this. But no. what I but will it say is fun to say. Yeah. What are your thoughts? What. <laughs> what house do you live in? 